Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Today, we welcome back honorary black guy Prath Reddy from Percent with our Market Watch episode to discuss what's going on in real estate at the tail end of COVID. Welcome, Prath. Hey, everybody. Great to be back. I- explain that new name for, for, for us, Prath. Right. Yeah, with a new name uh, for Percent. So that, that's our that's our latest name. It's still with the same cadence vibes, though. So don't worry there. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, just uh, out of curiosity, you're, you're you're part of this two black guys with good credit fam, and we know you have family in in India. We we just wanted to ask you how are things going with your fam, and just you know, let you know we're thinking about you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been difficult out there. Um, you know, uh, hospitals are crowded. There's not as as much equipment as they need, and you know, everyone's just trying to trying to get by. So, but I, I appreciate the uh, the sentiment, and uh, um, I'll keep you guys posted. All right. Well, in that same vein, today's show has has to do with COVID and actually what's been going on in real estate at the tail end of COVID. Um, Karen, why don't you uh, kick this off for us? Okay. So a little background. Um, You probably know someone who's looking to buy a house in this market. I have several friends Mm -hmm. who did. And if you ask anyone who's trying to purchase a home or has been in the last couple months, they're going to tell you all these horror stories about high prices and bidding wars and you know all these things that make it really hard to buy and leave them empty handed or they have to uh, pay well above the asking price. But low mortgage rates and a huge demand have powered a supercharge rush for U.S. housing over the last year. I guess everybody smelled blood. (laughs) Rent went down like a a millimeter and everyone rushed to buy a house. And people basically snapped up all the available supply of new and previously owned homes (laughs) amid this huge population shift. Everybody left the city. They went to the suburbs or out in the countryside. They're going to Florida. So in addition to that, there's been a chronic case of underbuilding after the financial crisis. And so 
Contractors are struggling to meet this new demand with adequate supply. So this imbalance has pushed selling prices sky high, which is kind of the opposite of what people think is happening. They think that because of COVID, the prices have crashed. What's, what's your take on this, Prath? This is near and dear to me because I literally just went through the whole process of selling my condo in Brooklyn and buying a, a home in Westchester County in New York. Um, during, during the lockdown? During the lockdown. So put up our place for sale at the beginning of March. Um, I think it was like on a Wednesday. And then Sunday we had seven showings. And then Monday we had two offers above ask. Wow. And then got into contract like a week later. And then at the same time, we went up to Westchester, started seeing some houses, and it was a, a frantic market. Um, and everybody just needs to like bid immediately. Otherwise, you know, it just goes on to the next person. So we saw a house we liked and we bid on it, got the offer accepted that day. And we had to bid a little bit above ask as well up there. Wow. Um, and pretty much sold and bought all within the span of like two and a half weeks. And now we're kind of sitting around waiting for, for things to close. But it's it was crazy and I, I lived it firsthand. <laughs> well, well my my question to you, Prath, would be with, with a hot housing market and with you know a buying frenzy going on, is there a risk of a major crash similar to 2007 and eight uh, that could potentially bring the economy down? It's a good question. I, I, I don't think that that's the case this time around because um, you know what really brought the housing market down back then was was the subprime situation where lenders like kind of relaxed their their standards and, and were kind of giving out mortgages to people that frankly couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly don't think that's the case anymore. And in fact, this time around, I think people who were, you know, kind of looking to buy homes for themselves were actually in better financial position um, and just, you know, kind of came with, you know, better underwriting, uh, you know, kind of criteria, things that lenders look for. So I don't see like a, a bubble forming necessarily. Uh, this was really driven by, you know, I, I think more like low interest rates uh, across the space, and and again the kind of the, the exodus out of cities uh, and into the suburbs. I, I think it was the primary driver here. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Prath. With with the housing market that's been red hot for close to a year now, people are beginning to wonder how long will this frenzy even last. You know, the number of Google searches asking when is the housing market going to crash has increased by almost two and a half percent between March and April of this year. You know, prices rose in, two, in the 2000, only to crash in 2008 and 2008, bringing the rest of the economy down with them. But I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen in this case. I think it's more of a supply and demand issue. And I think that, you know, we're in good shape when it comes to like a sudden crash. I think eventually maybe uh, demand may meet supply when they start building more, but I do not see like a sudden uh, what happened in 2000, 2008, um, repeating itself again. So are there any other differences between this housing market and the market back in 2006? Um, the, the only difference I see today, I mean, I'm sure there's there's, a, there's quite a few, but you know, the, the biggest one that I see today is just the fact that you know interest rates are so low and they have been for such a long time. And because of COVID, a lot of people started saving a lot more money because they were kind of sitting at home they didn't go on vacations. And so the people that were still gainfully employed, I think we're in better financial positions. Um, and so that should actually lead to a healthier market going forward. So uh, would you say that people are financially healthier overall now than they were in 20 2006, besides the subprime mortgage fiasco? 
I, I think the folks that can afford to buy a home uh, on the margin are, uh, especially given kind of the savings rates that have gone up over the last you know, year or so during COVID um, and you know, people having a lot less credit card debt and, and things of that nature as well. Uh, I think that all led to kind of better credit profiles across the board and, mm-hmm. and perhaps even you know, lower mortgage rates as well as a result um, because people are all very much a prime borrower versus a subprime borrower. So this leads me to a question of just wondering, like, why is the demand going up? Why is it such a hot housing market? What's what's driving this demand? Well, because of COVID, Pratt, I mean, Matt, sorry, that a lot of the, the construction was kind of put on a halt, which limited the supply of housing. And then people relocating to the suburbs has caused a boom in single family housing. So that's all limited supply, increase in demand, and then plus low interest rates historically being so low. It's just encouraging people to go out there and, and buy real estate. Got you. But where does that leave people who don't have a ton of money and have average credit? Like, is this a good market for people at the top of the finance pyramid or does this actually help everybody else? Yeah, I think it generally helps people that are you know a little bit better off financially, uh, unfortunately, and it continues to kind of drive that that chasm of the haves and have nots even wider is, is, is the way I look at it. So that's why there's still like such a, a vibrant renting market as well, because for all those people that would look to buy but can't afford it, now they're, now they're faced with higher in a kind of rental uh, rates as well. So it's, it, it's, it's a tough thing to see. But on a bright note, sorry, as far as credit scores is concerned, people's credit score has actually gone up in COVID. The average credit score now, I think, is like around 710. So through all this, we've actually seen people get better credit and be more responsible and uh, being able to apply and get approved for, for mortgages. So how about lending standards, Prath? Uh, can you talk about that? Are, are, are the standards more strict during COVID? Are they loose? What's going on with that? I think the standards have been a lot more strict since the financial crisis. I, I would assume that they're maybe perhaps a little bit stricter on the margin post, post-COVID as well. Um, you know, I think everybody's looking for, you know, higher down payments and things like that. But, you know, for the most part, I, I, again, I think this is a market that's a lot different than, you know, what we saw in 06, 07, um, because of the fact that, you know, there aren't as many subprime lenders out there. And even if there are, uh, they have much tighter lending standards to, mm-hmm. to be able to lend to those types of borrowers. Mm-hmm. So this is a good time to buy a home if you have money, but if you don't have money, you're worse off than before. (laughs) You have fewer options and property is not available. (laughs) What about the first time buyer? Well, if you're a first time buyer, it's a great time to buy because interest rates are historically low. Um, Like Plas just mentioned earlier, the subprime lenders have gone away. I think finally we've learned our lesson and we're finally using history. And seeing what happened in 2008 when the market crashed, but we're in different times. Is what happened in 2008 is highly unlikely to happen now because the demand is it's really coming from a low supply standpoint and low interest rates. But um, no, yeah, if, but we're not worried about a bubble, so it's not a bubble. It's not going to lead to a crash because it's like this is a sign of health. Then, but where does this leave us in like 10 years when the next wave of homeowners or even in five years want to buy a home and there aren't any or they're so expensive that it's just prohibitive to own? Like, is that where we're going? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think um, construction starting building back up, people having more confident, COVID fading away, herd immunity kicking in, all of those great things is going to increase the supply side of, of new homes and of homes in general 
which will then, I think, will gradually slow down this this boom that we have in real estate. And, you know, interest rates creeping back up again may also have an effect. So I think naturally, once again, we'll see the market slow down. But in the meantime, you know, take advantage. Prath, what is your take? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think given the uncertainty of, you know, what to expect after COVID first kind of showed its face earlier last year, uh, construction obviously ramped down. But, you know, now that there's more clarity around, you know, uh, government stimulus and, and the economy picking back up, I, I would I would expect all of that to follow suit. It's just a little bit of a lagging situation because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes time to build a house, obviously. <laughs> Prath, what can we expect to see in terms of mortgage rates mortgage rates throughout the rest of the year? I think they're probably going to hold relatively steady. Um, I think all of the, uh, you know, um, banks out there that kind of forecast where benchmark rates will be going forward are all kind of calling for, you know, long-term interest rates, 30-year and 10-year rates to be, you know, roughly kind of where they are now. So I, I don't really see, you know, mortgage rates running away from them considering they're, they're pegged to those uh, benchmark rates. Mm-hmm. So what about people who overpaid for a home already before all of this and are stuck with a super high mortgage? And like, what about them? Because I mean, I know people are going are paying premium prices now, but if you did that years ago, where does that leave you? Speaking from a real estate perspective, you know, sometimes people do overpay for their property, but the, the keynote is as long as their salaries allow them to afford the mortgage payment, then they should be fine. And if we sold that overpaid and you know, there's not a lot of adjustable mortgages out there. So as long as they maintain their level of income, then they should be able to weather through the storm because there's not going to be an adjustment per se. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be, you know, there'll be defaults. Don't get me wrong. There'll be people that file for, um, you know, file for bankruptcy and all those things that lead to not being able to afford your house anymore. But I think overall, I think people will, as long as you maintain your level of income, regardless of the value of your home, you should be okay. Yeah, and I, and I would echo that, you know, if you were buying it as kind of an investment property, then, you know, you, you may be a little bit underwater and you may take a loss on it. But if you have a long term view around that home, you know, it should all kind of catch up over time. And as long as you can afford it, that's fine. Um, if anything, I'll say that, you know, second mortgages and kind of home equity lines of credit are probably going to be less, uh, you know, prevalent going forward, just because that equity may not exist, given given the fact that you may see a little bit of a, a drop after this post-COVID rush dissipates a little bit. Um, but but yeah, I, I think if you had a long-term view, you're, 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 you're in good shape. When do you think that's going to be? When do you think the post-COVID rush is going to de-rush? I think when people kind of get comfortable being in, you know, crowded cities again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the trend of kind of moving to, you know, really crowded, you know, metropolitan areas kind of picks back up. I think that's when, you know, perhaps there's a little bit of a pullback on suburban house, home prices. Um, but, you know, it's 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 anyone's guess as to when that's going to take place, whether that takes, you know, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, I think there's a lot of people who will never go back to the city for whatever yeah. reason. But that just means that, you know, home prices in the cities are low enough to attract a, a whole new buyer base that may not have been able to afford them before. Um, and naturally that'll bid prices back up and then we're back to the same spot. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll just happen over time. 
This is kind of an interesting time too, I think, just like from my personal observations, because this is when millennials are becoming like reaching full maturity, you know, like millennials are having kids and getting married and moving to new houses. Like all my friends are mad pregnant <laughs> or thinking about it or like wifed up or husbanded up, you know? So yeah. it's interesting that this kind of coincides. I mean, it's just that's anecdotal, but like, I just feel like it's the truth, but and it's interesting. This coincides with like a wacky market, you know, cause I feel it like I feel it in my bones. And like you guys have experience with it of thinking about how I'm going to do this and being like, well, this is different than I expected. Like, I don't know if I can, you know, like, is it, is it in the cards for millennials to own homes? It's a great question. I think that there's a lot of millennials that, you know, may not necessarily buy a home that's far away from where they grew up because they got so close living with their parents again over last year as well. So <laughs> I think location, I think is going to be the biggest question mark um, because affordability doesn't seem to be uh, as big of a question mark, given that people save a lot of money, at least if you're still gainfully employed, uh, where you decide to move, whether that's close to your, your childhood neighborhood or you know, somewhere else where you just want to be closer to family, I think that's going to actually impact uh, where you see home prices kind of, uh, you know, go up or, or stabilize or, or drop going forward. A follow up to that question. If you had to compare basically the return on your investment in real estate versus uh, stock market and, and that type of investment, what, what's what's the, the better return the, in, in this in this time we're living in? Uh, Location, location, location. Again, <laughs> I think if you if you lived in Manhattan and you were trying to sell, uh, you would have taken a loss uh, over the last year for sure. Um, but if you lived in you know any suburb in the Hamptons maybe or wherever where like home Brooklyn, skyrocketing because everyone was leaving, then you know you're Brooklyn, great, great. in Brooklyn. You may be okay. We're always in comparable returns to equity. Right. about Brooklyn? You're Sean. Your audio is trash. What? Your oh, audio? What about Brooklyn? Yeah. Uh, yeah, what about Brooklyn? I mean, of the four of us, three of us in the last year have moved away from the city. I mean, I'm in Brooklyn right now, but I spend most of my time in New Jersey. <laughs> and you're moving to Westchester Pratt, and you moved out to Jersey, Matt, yeah, right? I mean, I you're, you're still in kind of uh, far-ass Brooklyn, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> so what about you're in Westchester now? Yeah, I, I, earlier that I was moving to Westchester. <laughs> I think you missed it in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we're all at You're no here. longer in Brooklyn? Sean, we're leaving you in the dust. No, I'm, I'm moving out in, in two weeks, actually. And then we bought a house up in Westchester. Oh, my God. So, so if I'm if, if I'm a listener at home who's I got my my little coins together and I want to start, I either want to buy a property in next door to Sean or, or, or I want to start investing like, it, you know, for a beginner out there, is, is there any direction? Is the wind blowing both? It, it doesn't matter. It's just get in the game or is because it sounded to me like you're saying real estate is for the for the wealthy right now, the, the market. It's not really for, you know. The regular folks. It's frothy for sure. But I, I think <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're if you're using it as like an investment play, which I think everybody should, even if it's your primary residence, um, mm -hmm. but that's your uh, that's your priority. You're not thinking about you know anything else. I think the city is a great time to buy right now because prices have just become so depressed over the last year because of everyone trying to fire sale and leave. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that's Brooklyn or Manhattan or Bronx or wherever, uh, I think you can probably find some fantastic deals these days. 
So if you want to move into the suburbs, give it 10, 15 years. <laughs> just cool your heels. <laughs> yeah, I think so. After what I saw in March, it's it's just a feeding frenzy up there. I, I don't I, I, I wish I planned it better and timed it better. <laughs> uh, question. Well, Sean and, and Karen, like in terms of things that have changed for real estate in the in the, the market right now, I know Sean, you you own a lot of real estate with like virtual showings or are are selling homes like how are how have things changed in from your vantage point sean with with the real estate market it's definitely become in my opinion you know a tenant's market but there's still competitors amongst tenants i mean you still have to have um to get a decent apartment i think even in new york city now especially in, in parts of brooklyn that are more um you know where the higher rents and the better neighborhoods are you have to have you know good credit and, and sustainable income um, even for me on the buy side, it's been challenging just to find buildings that I'm actually interested in purchasing because there's so much um, people looking to purchase, not just um, domestically, but internationally. People are looking at the U.S. market when in terms of real estate as a safe place to hold their money and hold their investment and buy these buildings all cash and get a, a modest return. So it makes it hard for a small guy like me to compete with that because I still have to seek financing. And when you add in my mortgage payment, some of these places you have to, most places you have to go into pocket in order to afford them. And I've always had the mentality of trying to find buildings where once I put my down payment and I collect the rents that the building will at least at minimum pay for itself. And that's been challenging. So yeah, the real estate market has been tough and, you know, I'm kind of waiting for it to settle down a little. All right. Um, I just want to say that this is perfect for me. This is my exact timeline. I will be a homeowner in 20 to 45 years. <laughs> and by that time, the market will have calmed down. Right, Prath? I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if history is of any uh, indication, it should. Right. And I think I think things happen in cycles and patterns. So things mm -hmm. should kind of level off here as, as the world turns back to normal post-COVID. Um, but one of the thought that I, I would leave everybody with is that, you know, there's a lot of different programs out there, um, incentives to kind of, you know, be a home, first time home buyer. Mm -hmm. And one of those things that kind of uh, I remember was just you, know, you could use your IRA as kind of, you know, a source for a down payment. And for a lot of people, that down payment is the limiting factor as to whether or not you can afford a home. And so if you need to kind of cough up that 20 percent that every lender is going to look for. Uh, you got to like, you know, search within the couch cushions or wherever else, but, you know, don't, don't overlook the IRA account. If you've been kind of contributing to that uh, over a number of years, um, you can kind of tap that to kind of facilitate that down payment. And for a lot of people that were invested heavily in the equity market over the last year, and if you had like, if you just happen to have Tesla in your IRA account um, and, you know, got like six, seven, eight X multiples on, on that original investment, well, that could be, you know, your source of down payment right there. So don't don't overlook the IRA account. Good to know when I start an IRA account. <laughs> incentive <laughs> on top of incentive. <laughs> well, I know that. Prath, we thank you for your insight as always. So this has been another installment of Market Watch, uh, brought to you by P Percent and our friend Prath Ready. Um, so yeah, that brings us to the close of another episode of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Uh, so we thank you, Prath. Thanks for joining us. Always great to be here, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Like I always say, nothing changes if nothing changes. And clearly COVID has changed the real estate market. So for all you big ballers out there, it sounds like you need to uh, 
get in the game or, or buy more, or get your monopoly on. Um, <laughs> for two black guys with good credit, I'm Matt Smith and I'm out. Yeah. And Prath, you're so humble and like you never push your own company. Like maybe it's awkward when you're doing these podcasts with us to be like percent, percent, percent. But um, I feel like this might be a good time to invest, period, you know, like in traditional stocks or bonds or even cryptocurrency. I know it's a little controversial or alternative investments like percent, like you don't really push it, but it feels hot right now. Like, is that true? It, it's hot out there. It, it's always hot to stay diversified. So yeah. again, I'll always go back to my my, my uh, you know, quasi recommendation, non recommendation recommendation, which is always to uh, stay, stay as diversified as possible. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And but there's always a place in everyone's portfolio for something other than stocks and bonds. So that was so well done. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sean, as always, the better half of two black guys with good credit and Prath from Percent. Once again, thank you for coming on the show. And for those that are listening to today's show, you know, it's a show about real estate and a show to say, hey, it's never too late. And it's always a good time to get into real estate. Um, I love it. Can't do you wrong. And I think Prath and I are both saying the same thing that, you know, it's a good time to invest. And in, like you said, if, if finding a down payment is the issue. Try to be creative. Look into your 401k and other resources that can help you get the down payment together and and, and try to buy, you know, buy, buy, buy. Um, once again, I'm Sean Linda, but I have two black guys with good credit. If you want to send us an email, please email us at tbgwgc at gmail.com or send me a quick line on in Instagram. You can follow me at financially clean Sean. Uh, that's S-H-A-U-N. Peace. Black guys. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.